welcome to the Communicating Health podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Colm Harney, a dentist with a special interest in all aspects of communication in healthcare. Each episode, I'll be having a conversation with inspirational practitioners to discover how they communicate effectively, creating exceptional relationships with their patients and fulfilling, rewarding careers. For clinicians who care, let's find out how the experts do it. Dr. Tony Saracci is a dentist and practice owner in Melbourne. Not only that, Tony is the managing director of Momentum Management, a company whose aim is to help dentists run their practices more effectively and efficiently to achieve the personal, financial and lifestyle goals that dentists work so hard for. Tony is a mentor, coach, trainer, and she also writes for a number of media outlets. We discuss what makes an exceptional practice, including the importance of good communication, teamwork, and leadership. We also discuss the struggles many dentists are facing in the current environment and the toll it can take on mental health. It's clear how passionate Tony is about all the work she does, and you can consult the show notes for any important points referenced in the conversation. Can you give me just a short bio this morning when you graduated, what you've done, and then we can Sure, sure. I graduated from the University of Melbourne Dental School in 1995. I did a science degree before I did dentistry, and I majored in psychology, so I've always been fascinated in human human behavior human communication everything to do with us as people that's interesting yeah yeah yeah. and look you know I also worked in to get myself through what was it you know eight nine years of university I worked in the retail environment where I learned a lot about customer service and communicating well with people and so I had a really solid basis for being able to build relationships with patients. So graduated in 95. Look, I was very fortunate. I spent my first year as the house surgeon at the Alfred Hospital, where I did a lot of the uh, TAC, Transport Accident Commission work. I worked with haemophiliacs and HIV patients. So I learned a lot of compromised, you know, working with compromised um, medical people. And then I went into the country. And I worked for a dentist who actually handed me the practice and said, I'm coming once a month, bye. Knock yourself out. Yeah, Yeah. and I I was my second year out. So Mm -hmm. this was something that I just actually just had to do it. There was just no two buts about it. And being the type of person that I am, I wasn't going to let him down. So I just got on with it. And I taught myself what I had to do with leading a team, talking to patients, you know, dealing with conflict with patients. I had to do the whole lot. And, you know, and it wasn't for my business. It was for somebody else's business. So I did that. Then I came back. That was in the country. I came back to the city. I got married. I I bought my own practice. And I, I loved having my practice. It was just incredible. But I also started a family about the same time as I started my practice. And I I'm going to be perfectly honest with you I found it really hard to to juggle everything yes. you know mum wife dentist boss all of these things it was very hard so I started looking at practice management and communication courses to try and help me you know juggle all these balls yes so I went overseas to America and Linda Miles I went to the UK I did everything under the sun in Australia and then I came up with the course that Momentum Management offered. I took my whole practice. It was a three-year course at the time through okay. Momentum Management yeah, yeah. course. Right. And I loved the course so much, I bought the company. Yeah. And that's where I am today. Okay. There's a bit more along the way, but that's basically the story. Yeah. <laughs> Are you doing any dentistry at the moment? Yes, I yeah, am yeah. still yeah. doing so, dentistry. So you're doing dentistry and Absolutely. running Momentum Management. I am passionate about dentistry. I believe I have it running in my veins. I do not think that I could do anything else. It is just, it is my total love. It's not work. It's my pure joy to do dentistry. They're all facets. That comes across when I've heard you speak before. So the passion and your enthusiasm. Did you always know 
gosh no can I tell you why I did dentistry most people would not believe this but I was in science and um, I met some dental students when I was in science and they had great parties so I decided to do to apply for dentistry okay. so that I could be with them. <laughs> for the parties. Yeah. I'm a bit of a party girl. Okay. I, I love socialising. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, yeah. that's as good a reason as any to do dentistry. And... Do you know, Colma, I'm going to say that a lot of dentists are actually, I think they can feel quite a lot of pressure to do dentistry, that their parents can sometimes push them into yes. dentistry and maybe, you know, not push as in really pushing, shoving, but there is an expectation for them to do dentistry. And I'm going to tell you that it's those dentists are the ones that often really struggle in owning a business, in being a dentist, you know, because maybe there was something else that they may have preferred to do. And there's a lot of people around like that, which is quite sad. I think so too. And and that's something hopefully we'll allude to a little bit later on. Yeah, Yeah. sure. No problem. Now you talked about going to the country in your second year of practice and the dentist waving by as he walks down, down the drive and leaving you to sink or swim alone. You must have learned a hell of a lot then. Was it a steep learning curve? Oh, gosh. It was incredible. So it was in the country, and the closest specialist was three hours away. So, you know, I had to do all my exos. I had to do all the all the difficult endos. I just had to do them. Yes. You know, there was no two buts about it. Someone was, someone was in pain, and, you know, I had to deal with it. And, yeah, I found myself in some sticky situations, but I got out of them, but I had a fantastic DA and she's my Wendy okay and I actually when I'm employing people now I think about the traits that Wendy had and I I am looking for those traits I'm not looking for necessarily dental nurse experience I'm looking for the characteristics and I'll train the rest yeah. This seems to be a, a recurring theme with interviewees as well. Uh, having exceptional team members is, oh. is key. We're not dentists alone. We're, we're part of a team and we fall or stand by the strength of our team. Absolutely. I am nothing without my team. And I'm going to say I have a work team, I have a family team, and I have a friend team. And I'm nothing without them. And I believe that as a, a leader in a team, the biggest thing that you need to want to do is develop your team members. Okay. Okay. So try and put your ego aside and grow your team members. Yes. And that is what's going to give you success mm-hmm. and a happy team. Yeah, I'm learning a little bit about leadership as I go through this process. Something I've learned about great leaders is they don't have all the answers and they're, they're very willing to put on the table that they don't have all the answers. They've, totally. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm also really happy to say I'm sorry, I messed up. Mm. Okay, and and yeah, I'm going to put my hand up. That was my fault, that one. My bad. Yeah. And and But then I will always... So I have a little theory. So when you point at someone and you say, you did this, you did that, yes. you're one finger pointing at the person that you're talking to, but there's three fingers pointing at yourself. So you must go back and reflect on how you could have set them up for success and what maybe you could do differently in the future so that you could get a different outcome. I think that's really important. Uh, another way of looking at that as well, I've done some conflict resolution theory as well, is about blame versus contribution because there's, there's very rarely any situation where there's 100% blame on one side and 0% Totally on the other. agree. There's always a degree of contribution to the situation from each side. Of the, and it's, as you say, setting aside the ego, I think, not sometimes I think all of the time and saying what's my contribution to this situation yeah for example with underperforming team members I think a lot of it is the setting up the expectations at the start and then totally. the, the ongoing training mentoring and having a, a well-defined culture of, in the organization as well do you have oh, anything? absolutely and you know I believe it's actually setting them up from the first phone call that you have with them the telephone interview you know, if the, and then the interview process, then the induction, then the training. And, you know, in, in my practice, nobody would get into actually, I'm going to say, touch a patient or touch a phone or do anything with a patient for at least two weeks. Okay. okay. Yeah. So what I see is dental practices are 
so desperate to, you know, they've lost a staff member. They're so desperate to get a, a staff member in that they often get the nearest warm body yes. that says that they are a front office coordinator or a, or a DA and they pop them in the position and it's like, bang, do it straight away. There's very little training. There's very little, very rare to find uh, staff members being inducted in a business. And so and that's, you know, my induction process is half a day. So, you know, it's, it's something that I've worked on. I have systems. I'm a big believer in systems and organisation. And yes, it's hard work to begin with to put those systems into place. But then once they're in place, really, you just need to look at them once a year, tweak them a little bit and that's it but then if you do have somebody leave you go and get the folder that says hiring a DA open it up whether it's digital or or you know a, a paper folder yeah. and bang 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 it's all there including the ad the interview questions the induction the training chart everything's yeah. there yeah. you know then you can't go wrong yeah, as you say, there's, there's probably a, a workload at the start, but once that's done and the systems are in place, you, yeah, yeah well, it makes it so much easier next time. People are often really surprised to hear that it costs about $30,000 for a business to change a staff member. Okay, that surprises huge. me sitting here. Yeah. Huge, Can you explain sure. where that... Absolutely. The downtime for the dentist when you don't have your right-hand person that's trained to work how you do. The time to to train somebody because you've got to have double staff on for training. Okay, Okay. yes. And then all of the reviewing, assessing, it costs a lot of money. So it's so much better to do it properly from the very beginning. And then, yes, sure, sometimes it's not going to work out but then you've got a process to deal with that as well. And, you know, it is all about setting this person up for success and not just throwing them in. Yeah. To sink or swim. Yeah. Absolutely. I I think that's a great expression you put. It's one of my catchphrases for everybody um, and everything. Did I set it up for success is a question that I ask myself all the time. Okay, and you ask yourself that as as a leader, yes. Absolutely. So the leader should be asking that question. Did I set it up for success? Yeah. Yeah. And then if I can honestly say yes, then okay, great. But, you know, most of the time, if I really analyse it, my contribution will be there for causing the problem as well. You're obviously of that mindset that you can see that. And again, this is your own business, but also I'm sure that's part of what you bring as your business of momentum management when you go into a practice. Absolutely. Can I say that this is just authentic to me and my life as well? Yeah. Is that so if if I'm having maybe a disagreement with my husband, I will then later on reflect on it and say, you know, did I set that conversation up for success? Probably not. I was probably poking him. Yeah, and, and maybe not so easy to recognise at the time with the closer husband relationships. I think that's a different story. It's mm-hmm. easier to be a bit more emotionally distant in the work relationships. But yes, I agree with you too. Yeah, yes. absolutely. When absolutely. the dust settles on it all, I think you, the mature thing is always to look back and say, what did I do to contribute to that? Yeah, decision? and I think that reflection is a really big part of success. So, you know, I believe that systems in a practice are essential, mm-hmm. okay? And I talk about 50 practice systems that every practice needs, 50 essential systems in place to be efficient and a well-running business. Okay. Now, every system has four parts. It has the philosophy or the why are we doing this. Yes. It has the mechanics, which is the how-to or yeah. the step-by-step. It has the verbal skills or the words to say to support the mechanics And then it has follow-up. So this is where I'm saying that, you know, reviewing is your follow-up. And so many people don't put the time into the follow-up and the review process. And that's where things fall apart. Yeah. It sounds like you've really thought this down to a great amount of detail. So if you take the 50 systems and the four steps, that's 200. (laughs) Yeah. So you've broken this whole thing down into... And, doc- and documented it and yeah. have it for all practices yeah. because yeah. why reinvent the wheel? You know, like, I don't know, 
dentists are busy. We don't have time to reinvent the wheel. So yes, every practice needs to be tweaked. You know, we have different circumstances in every practice, but you know, basically it will be similar with most of the systems and really it just needs to be adjusted a little to fit your practice, not not sitting down from scratch trying to work it all out yourself. And I guess that's why I started looking for management consulting companies to help me because I was five and a half days a week in practice, two small kids under two. Um, you know, I'm on multiple sporting committees. You know, I'm involved in goddamn everything and I didn't have time to reinvent the wheel. No. So you probably didn't have time to barely keep your head above all those things. <laughs> well, and that's another story. Yes. yes, so I decided that I would look for help. And I think that's the thing is that you need to look at what you're best at doing and how to spend your time the best way. Our most important resource for ourselves as dentists is time. Yes. No? Yeah. And if we can maximise our time efficiently, then it's going to be a lot better for everyone. So, yeah, it's a lot of work went into that process. Yeah, it sounds like it. And is that your core business is bringing those systems to practices in a consulting it's part role? of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I find that dental practices, they want the systems. You know, yeah. like people will try it themselves and they get into a level of, of chaos to be honest with you because the dentist is doing the do doing the drilling and and then you might have a practice manager that's helping you out but the practice manager is doing it their way and yes. what they think's right yeah. and often a practice manager has graduated from trainee DA to DA to receptionist to practice manager and they don't have the skills they, they're beautiful people and they have you know they have the best intentions but they just don't necessarily have the the organization and the management skills that are necessary mm -hmm. in a practice yeah so we come in and we assist we never say right you're doing it all wrong you know <laughs> get out of here because I'm sure there are lots of systems that are working well at totally yeah. and this is what I love is my my 50 systems are always developing and growing because you know can I tell you I visit hundreds of practices mm -hmm. every year mm -hmm. hundreds okay and I I get the best of everything and then when I see the best I then change my systems to make sure it keeps up to date and it is the best so it's an ever evolving system of systems what, what do dentists contact you about? Yeah, do, sure. Are they aware about these systems or are they contacting you just saying it's not working or I'm not busy enough? Or, yeah. or what, what are the main sort of things? That Multitude of problems, to be honest with you. And lately, it's I've got gaps in my book. Okay, that's, that's, a, that's thing. a big thing for it a is. lot of practices. Yes. So we help with systems, We but that's not it. It's actually... To be honest with you, this is why I love Momentum, is because it's about developing the owner of the practice, mm -hmm. developing the leader, yeah. okay? Because I have a saying that I believe that your practice is a reflection of you. Yeah. And I think that if you hold a, a mirror to yourself, that's what your practice, whatever's going on with you is what's going on in your practice. So I believe develop the person who leads the practice and then things are going to get a hell of a lot better. That makes so much sense. Yeah. 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 So, so we have incorporated a lot of personal growth and development. Yeah, just, you just yep. taking the question off the tip of my tongue yep. there. Yeah, so, a, so it's not lot. just clinical or management, Gosh, no. it's personal. Yeah. yeah, Personal growth and development, yeah. business skills, systems and communication. And now we're, do we're doing a lot more marketing as well, which is, okay. of course, another form of communication yeah. with patients. And I just keep adding more to momentum because I love it. I, I'm a sponge and I want to learn everything. And then when I learn, I want to share it. And that's just, that's my passion. That comes across that, yeah, you can, you can tell that that's your passion, your enthusiasm. Yeah, definitely. What, what sort of things out of interest do you do in terms of personal growth and communication? As sure. Well as keeping it in yeah. line with the subject of the podcast. So I believe everyone needs to coach. I believe that if you want to be the best version of you, then you need somebody to help you get to that best version, okay? You can do it on your own, but it's it, it's sometimes very challenging. So I, I believe you need a coach. So we absolutely have a coach. 
for anyone who is in momentum and you know they will be developed with their coach with communication skills with business skills all of the things that I mentioned before yeah so with regards to communication we teach our dentists that go through our program more than 20 hours in a year just on communication like what sort of things 20 hours is a significant time yeah yeah absolutely absolutely how that breaks down okay so it's all about not just building rapport and customer service with a patient it's actually about building a relationship and that's something that once we move on from rapport to a relationship then we are going to build trust yes once we have trust then the patient is going to become a loyal patient of the practice and they're going to trust us that we are diagnosing the right treatments for them and that we have their best interest at heart. So I'm a big believer in building a relationship and I think your next question is going to be, well, how do you build a relationship? And I'm going to say, was I right? (laughs) (laughs) That was running through my head, yes. Okay, you listen. And I'm going to be honest with you, and I think you can probably tell by me talking here now, I'm a talker. I've had to learn to do what I call zip it, okay? Yes. Zip it and ask the appropriate questions which are open-ended so that you don't just get a yes or no answer. Yes. And then listen, active listen to the patient, then ask deeper questions and find out the emotions behind the person. Yeah. Once you know the emotional drivers, then it's easy to yeah. build that relationship and yeah. to give the patient what they want. So I have condensed 20 hours worth of training into, what was that, two minutes? Yeah, well, we're very much on the same page. I'm doing a talk at Congress here tomorrow on that. The very subjects I'll, I'll be talking about tomorrow, so we're very Wonderful. like-minded on, on all of that. Excellent. You use the word active listening. Yes, Can you describe what you mean by active listening versus listening? Yeah, okay. So to be honest with you, none of us are really very good listeners unless we have actually sat down and really thought about it and, Mm. and actively worked on your listening. So active listening is a way of reflecting back to the person what you've just heard so that they understand that you were listening to them but it also there's just one magic 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 point with Mm. active listening and it's called the pause the pause the pause yes so let's say a patient has just said to me oh i'm i'm very scared of going to the dentist then i might say something like it sounds like you're you're anticipating it's going to be a little bit challenging to be here today and then i pause And that's the magic is because that encourages the patient to speak more. And that's what we want. Yeah, yeah. It's all about letting the patient speak. Now, as dentists, I believe that we are very rightly so. We're trying to educate our patients. But I believe that we do that with a lot of logic. And I believe that... Really, we should be talking 90% of what we're saying should be appealing to the patient's emotions because emotions are how patients make decisions. 90% of the decision-making process for any decision is made by emotions. Yes, it's not cognitive or logical, a lot of it, yeah. 10% is logical. I believe as dentists, we flip it the other way around. We give them 90% logic, and if we're lucky, we do 10% emotion. Yeah, and I think if you talk about personality types, and I'm kind of a bit reluctant, but we dentists, as a general rule, I think, are sort of introverted analyticals. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So we're using that extroverted emotional side or personality driven side is sort of it's a bit alien and foreign to a lot of dentists totally and it can be really out of your comfort zone so in our communication um, training in our course we teach a number of things of course there's body language there's we do NLP so neuro-linguistic programming we do um, we we work a lot with disc behavioral typing and Mm -hmm. disc is incredible because it's very 
very easy for the whole team to learn. And what we actually do with DISC is we will, um, I teach people who come through my communication courses, I teach them to, I don't want to say type, but we want to just say, you know, this this person possibly fits in this box here. Tendencies rather than types. And then if you know what your behavioural type is, then you can look at morphing the way that you are behaving and communicating more to the level that they are communicating and behaving, and then your message is going to get across much better. So it's about being a chameleon I believe where you need to change with the environment and that's where once again I'm going to say that word that's where the magic is yeah that's quite complicated I, I would imagine that oh, takes a it's lot, actually a lot not of work. That bad. not that bad uh, no I'm, I'm yeah I think you'd be surprised it's mm. actually a beautiful it's an elegant system yeah I, I know of the disc system the DISC isn't it yes yeah, yeah, yes yeah. and most dentists fall into what we call the C bracket which is conscientious they're concise yeah. they're they are also you know quite quite quiet and can possibly be a little introverted as well so if you have a patient who's coming in which is a, a D type patient who is dominant and direct and just wants it now give it to me now it's actually quite difficult to communicate so once you start recognizing your behavioral types and then you start seeing patterns in your patients then you can actually alter your communication style to the style of the patient and why do we do that well for me everything we do is for the benefit of the patient yeah. So I believe in, I'm holding up my fingers here, in a win-win-win triangle. Okay, there's a win at the top and a win at each corner. And up the top of the triangle is always the patient. So no matter what we're doing in the practice, the patient must always win. Okay. Then down the bottom, the next group of people that needs to win in a practice is our team. Yeah. Must benefit the team. And then the next win, and I know some people may not be happy with me saying this, needs to be the business. So we actually do need to be a great communicator, but we need to be a great business person and a dentist. Sure. We wear so many hats, Mm -hmm. and that's what people call me about. They get overwhelmed with all of these hats that they have to wear in practices. And yet, yeah, it's not hard to see why. Uh, something that's evolving in dentistry, and you alluded to a little bit earlier, is external forces on our profession now with corporatization, increased health fund, aggressive health fund activity, buying practices and owning chains and technology as well. Changing dentistry, so you can already see it with scanners and CEREC and all these things totally. where you know technicians are, are probably getting a bit scared. Those sorts of CEREC moments, I'm sure, are going to come for dentists. Maybe in whatever ten years' time, there's something going to come down the line that's going to have have an impact on us like that. Can you speak a little bit about those external pressures as well? Totally, yeah, absolutely. I think that I. <laughs> I use a lot of analogies, okay, and I believe that your your practice is it, it needs an umbrella over the top of it to protect it from these external external forces. So I, I'm I want you to imagine an umbrella sitting over the top of your practice, and then the storms, the hailstorms, the thunder, and the lightning are the the corporates, yeah. the health insurance companies competition from yeah. other dentists yeah, it's over, insane oversupply. oversupply you know we all know the story of what our government did and yes. you know messed up a little bit and we have a total oversupply of dentists you know overseas dentistry so especially yeah. for you coming from wa i know that you have a lot of people who head off to bali and have their treatment yes. done yeah. don't they um and then just very much the um you know discretionary spend of dentistry mm-hmm. yeah. is that it's not people don't necessarily see it as an essential so you know we have all of these storms pelting down on our umbrella mm-hmm. now our umbrella if we want to keep our practice safe That's actually our leadership, our communication, and our systems. Okay. It all is in that umbrella. So the systems are like the the spokes, the panels of the umbrella. 
and uh, the and, and the stick really of the umbrella umbrella yeah. is the leadership and communication. Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense. So your practice is much more resilient to those storms, the thunder and lightning. If you've got those systems totally. in place, you've got the leadership and the team working well and the communication obviously as well. Absolutely. And the biggest thing is that dentists come to me saying I know that I need that, but I don't have time. Yeah, or I don't even know how to do it. Correct. Yeah. They don't yeah. know how to do it. They didn't learn it. Um, you know, as I said, they come with gaps in the appointment book or, you know, more often than not, now I'm actually seeing people coming with in real financial difficulty yeah. that have Understood. never done a cash flow analysis, don't, don't know how to budget for their business. And it's scary. Yeah. And, I, and I feel for them. And then I, you know, I like to take them by the hand and... Uh, and try and help them get out of that situation. Yeah, it must be very difficult in, in this commercial climate, particularly with big overheads and, you know, the costs of running a practice are going up significantly, totally. but certainly the numbers of patients around with that discretionary spend for very many reasons that you've outlined mm. are not necessarily coming through the doors at the moment. Yeah, well, and, and I also find that, you know, so dentists will often come to me with not a great headspace yeah. so overwhelm is one of the things that i really hear a lot about and burnout yeah I'm burnt i don't want to do it anymore but i have to because i'm in so much debt yes. and my fit out cost me so much money and this and yeah. and i've got no patience and you know so it, it's really changed when i first purchased momentum uh, it was different practices were too busy okay. and they wanted systems to help them become more efficient and right. it's actually in yeah. the last eight years wow. it's progressed now to we've got gaps in books yes, and yeah, yeah and so we've had to adapt our program to help with that as well yeah. so we now help a lot with with marketing and um you know helping practices really work on who they want as patients in their practice because that's very important as well yeah I describe it as the the elephant in the room about consulting coaching is this myth or not that it's all about corralling patients in, into the corner of the room and not letting them leave the building until they say yes well can you yes. speak to that myth or not myth I don't know what I actually don't think it's a myth okay that I do believe that there has been times where that has has occurred in practices and I can tell you I've seen it in some of my practices so let me try and clarify that so we give tools to run the practice efficiently yes. it's up to the dentist to do what they need to do okay so that it's how they use those tools are up to them but you're right some practice management companies can say here's your pre-block you've got a pre-block tomorrow you need to diagnose a crown to get in that pre-block I'm taking a very deep breath here because I'm about ready to scream. Is it because I'm a dentist and I'm a practice management consultant as well? Very possibly. Non-ethical dentistry does not have a place for yeah. me or any of my clients in Momentum. Yeah. And to be perfectly honest with you, if clients want to behave in that way, I sack them. Okay? <laughs> I don't want to work with them. Yeah. Okay, well that, that says a lot about... Oh, you and what you do yeah it's not about money for me yes okay now I so that sounds really silly because I'm a practice management consultant but I believe that you treat the patient well and the money will come yeah I you treat your too. patient well you treat your staff well and you know it just happens yeah. and yes you need to follow those numbers and you need daily goals and targets as a sure. as a, a goal to reach but you know to manipulate a patient would into treatment that they don't need so that you can reach your daily goals and targets, I can't think of anything worse. Yeah, yeah. so from what you're saying and what, what I've heard and your core philosophy from which everything springs is the patient looking after the interests of the patient, that triangle. It's my triangle. Yes, and yes. I, I'm a great believer in that and I 
do believe as well that if you do that as your number one, and a lot of that is done through communication, but obviously effective systems in the background and that leadership I really like. The emphasis on leadership and the personal development I think is very important and obviously the communication skills and patient number one, I think everything else does follow from that. Yeah, and I think that dentists often, um, because they're so busy, they will try and abdicate the leadership to somebody else in the practice. And often that's the front office coordinator or the practice manager. You know, you need to remember that the practice needs a leader yeah, as well as a manager. Don't even know that they're the leader. Yeah. I think yeah. There's, un- there's lack of awareness around that, I think. And it's not just lack of awareness around a leader. There's a lot of people who don't understand what the function of a practice manager really is. So, you know, um, we have a lot of job descriptions, varying job descriptions for a practice manager, and often they're called a practice manager, but they're not really. They're they're possibly the leader of the business or they're a glorified receptionist. So, you know, this is something that I just don't think that we we well, we didn't have any training as dentists to do this. So, you know. I've invested a lot of time and money in my personal growth and development in finding out about all of these things because I'm passionate about it yeah. and I want to package it up and, and, and give it as a present. It's a <laughs> gift yeah. because I struggled so much in my business when I first started. Yeah. So much so, and I hope it's okay to say this, is that I totally burnt out. I um, had... You know, I mental fatigue, and I ended up in hospital with anxiety and depression. So, I also tried to commit suicide. So, you know, I know that's not a nice thing to no, talk about, no, but it's. I, I think this this conversation is very important to have among dentists. It, and certainly in society, it's becoming more apparent that the difficulties people have, and it's becoming more talked about. You even see it in very male bastions like the AFL now. They're starting to talk about it, which and is I, fabulous. And I'm wondering why in dentistry, are we, if the Aussie Rules Football Code can talk about it and footballers can talk about it, I think dentists should be able to talk about it as well but because we're health professionals doctors and dentists are apparently very poor at talking about these things for for whatever reason personal reasons or or professional reasons yeah and i think it's conversations that we definitely have to start having more and more because i think people are, are feeling those pressures for various reasons whether it be commercial pressures or feeling overwhelmed by family business or maybe even it might go back to something that you alluded to right at the start of the conversation. Maybe they didn't really want to be dentists in the first place, or they did want to be dentists, and now that they are, mm. they they kind of don't see a way out. Yeah, hundred percent agree with you. Mm. You know, and and you're absolutely right. It could be any of those reasons, or all of those reasons and one of the big things that we have inherent in us as dentists i believe and i think it's hammered into us a bit at uni as well is perfectionism yeah and control yes we you know we i like to explain that we look in a mouth you know the size of what is it a a softball okay if we're lucky (laughs) all day with the tongue (laughs) all day every day underwater back to front and in the dark yeah with our back with our back bent but you know what when we lift our head up often we view life like this too Mm -hmm. and we view life in in you know micro millimeters yeah. because that's what we're looking at through our microscopes yeah, and our brains are trained yeah. to do that yeah. and so we overanalyze yeah. okay we're perfectionists we overanalyze and you know that lack of seeing the big picture can yeah. cause a lot of overwhelm and anxiety and so that's something that I I, I speak a lot about I'm okay. very open with sharing my tactics of how I deal with anxiety and depression and and you know I still suffer from it so yeah. So I've just learnt to control. Well, control's not the right word. I've learnt to manage it. Yeah. Um, but sometimes it gets out of control. And you know what? It's okay. It's okay. And I just need to... I've got the right support systems around me now to deal with that so okay. that I don't end up in hospital. Can you speak from your experience about, say, if dentists out there are feeling isolated, alone, nobody to talk to, and feeling these feelings? Yeah. And it might be at a 
at a one out of ten level or a nine or a ten out of sure. ten level, I don't think it really matters because one out of ten could be eight or nine out of ten tomorrow. What should what, they do? What <laughs> advice can you give? Yeah, I yeah, think this, it's a very important conversation. And I'm going to be honest with you. This is where you know Facebook's great, but it's also not so great as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, but there is a, a Facebook site that is the oh god, I can't remember the name of it, but something about the mental block. It's called the mental. The block. mental it's block. A closed group. Yeah. 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 Uh, do you know what? I I love that group, and there's a lot of sharing and caring mm. in that group, and it's just beautiful. You know, I'm always very open to say guys just reach out yeah this is not something i'm going to charge you for Mm. i'm just here as a colleague and just reach out and i'll point you in the right direction so you know facebook message me message me or email me or give me a call i don't care i don't care what time of the night it is now i've dealt with a lot of this a lot of it and you know i'm not going to say that i'm an expert in dealing with it but I know where to send you to get help. Okay. So, you know, it's, I think you need to talk. I, I agree too. For very many reasons, I think it could be our intrinsic personality types as well and, and, and being professionals and not wanting to be vulnerable and that perfectionism and control. And so much. All those things. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. think it's it's important. It, I suppose for younger groups, the mental block is a good starting point. Yeah, I, I agree. I've, I've been on there as well and I think it's very, very good. Yeah, yeah, uh, Dr. totally. Dr. Annalene Weston did a really great dental protection talk i don't know if you got to see no, that I didn't. she went around the country quite recently but she did a very very good talk oh, awesome. about burnout and vulnerability and those all those sorts of things that yeah. the dentists i don't think deal very well with and i think that um you know it comes back to communicating mm. so we need to learn to communicate how we're feeling and so nowadays communication uh, we need to not just be intelligent and have IQ. Yes. We need to work on our EQ or emotional intelligence. And that um, that's something that resilience is, is a facet of emotional intelligence. Yeah. And that resilience is if we build those resilience muscles before things happen, then we're going to be able to deal with things because things are going to happen. Things you know, can happen. I swear? Yeah. Shit happens. Yeah, yeah, all right. Yeah, Every yeah. day. It just yeah. varies in the depth that yeah. you're in. That's yes. all. Okay. And no practice is ever going to be perfect. No. Even if you do my program. Okay. Mm-hmm. You'll be close, but you won't be perfect. <laughs> it it oscillates. Yeah. Okay. With changes, you know, and we have to be resilient enough to be able to adapt to changes. Yeah. So emotional intelligence is something that I believe when you're learning communication skills, now emotional intelligence is a big part of where I would be directing you to read okay. some books and yeah. listen to podcasts and Dan- those sorts Daniel of things. Goldman, it's Fabulous. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Daniel Goldman yeah. for sure. Yeah, there's there's so much involved with communication, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, there is. Yeah. And I I like what you say about working at it. So communication and all of this personal growth is not something you learn by osmosis or you you have it or you don't have it. Some people do have it more than others, but I'm a firm believer, particularly with communication skills, that even if you're the most introverted, nerdy type, you can do courses, you can read books, you can listen to podcasts and you can learn it. Those people that know me from university would know I'm an introvert total introvert and I I actually don't necessarily like being around people too much I actually like my own time yeah. I love spending time on by myself people look at me when I say that and they go no way you're so out there and you're yeah. happy to talk to hundreds of people and in, in a conference and no do you know what I'm just like everybody else that's a dentist mm, is yeah. I'm actually very introverted yeah and my wife will, and anyone who knows me will tell you the same thing I, I'm, I'm the exact same yeah, as well yeah but I'm passionate yeah, about yeah. what I do yeah and because I'm passionate about what I do I had to get over that crap okay yeah. so that I can spread my knowledge because I believe my knowledge can help people and that's what I've been put yeah. on this earth for and you've obviously worked at it yeah definitely yeah, yeah. definitely yeah. you know learnt to step out of my comfort yeah. zone yeah and that comfort zone you know stepping out of in the comfort zone into your growth zone mm-hmm. you know you've got to and, and somebody helping you like a coach to guide you so that you don't step into your terror zone don't take too big a step yeah but you know um measured steps that are going to give you success so i believe that whenever you're learning a new skill you shouldn't tackle the most 
difficult thing first. Yeah. So let's say we've got our team, our dental team, and we have a few issues with our team, okay? And we've got one staff member who is an absolute pest and mm-hmm. they are they are really, they're annoying and they really need to be spoken to, but you're worried about speaking to them because they're very direct and you yeah. know they're yeah. going to, there's going to be conflict. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We don't like confrontational no, conflict. No, no. So we will avoid it as much as possible. Why are you going to try and practice your communication skills on that one first? <laughs> Set yourself up for success and start with what I call the lighter weights, okay? So the lighter weight is the DA who came late Mm -hmm. this morning, Yeah. okay? You have that simple conversation. You build up your communication conflict resolution muscles and then you go on to the more difficult conversations. Yes, that makes sense. So it's like going to the gym. You don't go to the the heaviest weight first off, do you? Well, some do, and they never go back. And they, again. and yeah. exactly the yeah. same with communication. Yes. Yes. You try the most difficult patient or the most difficult team member, and you have just learnt these techniques in a in a seminar. Yeah. You try them on that person, and they don't work, and you don't go back. Yeah. Why do that? I know. But we'd all do it, yeah, you know. Yeah. And so, especially, I suppose, dentists, again, high achievers, we can do anything. and We think it, we can we do think, it. Yes. But, you know, we need to be kind to ourselves yeah. and, once again, set yourself up for success. So you start with the lightweights and then you move to the heavier weights. Now, I'm also a true believer in role-playing. And as soon as I say those words to a group of people, the looks of shock on people's faces is just, it's hilarious. Yeah. I have to tell you, it's yeah. hilarious. Yeah, I love, I love role-playing. <laughs> yeah. um, role-playing. So I believe that every staff meeting that you have okay. must, must start with verbal skills, practicing verbal skills. So, the, you know, the words that you need to say to patients to communicate well and also role-playing. Every well, staff, okay. okay. I say that you should do it at the beginning of the staff meeting because if we leave it until the end, we'll run over time yeah, and we'll yeah. never do it. And um, people are at the best at the start as well, fresh. Totally. Yeah. And I, I truly believe that the practices that do use this idea and practice and role play, they are the most successful practices. So is that bringing a scenario to the meeting of, say, something that could have been done better and we role play what happened yeah. and we role play how it could be done We'd better? We'd start off with learning the yeah, skills. Yes. So it okay. might be a skill like we spoke about active listening. Yes. Okay? okay, so it might be a skill that we'd talk about that and discuss it, then we'd role play it in one staff meeting mm-hmm. and then the following staff meeting we'd all bring a scenario from yeah. the clinic okay great. and then integrate it i like that yeah. yeah so it's baby steps baby steps and it's a safe environment as well you know absolutely and um you know we know that it takes at least 90 times of doing something before you become what we call unconsciously competent yes. So when we begin with something, we are consciously incompetent. Mm -hmm. So that means we're very aware that we suck at it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it takes multiple times of doing it before we get to, as I said, unconsciously competent, which means that we're really good at it and we don't even have to think about it. Yeah. Like driving a car. Yeah. 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 So, you know, I I believe once again, be kind to yourself. You're learning, you know. And so when I'm, I actually use the car analogy a lot Mm. in my practices or I use the example of when we first did an occlusal filling. Okay. Gosh. Yes, that's a good example. Do you remember yeah, when so you first did an occlusal? Yeah. <laughs> you it touched, was big. T- touched the tooth and then called the supervisor. <laughs> yeah. And how long did it take? You yeah. know, a three-hour yes, session? Yes, How quickly do you do an occlusal yeah. filling now? With your eyes closed. I hope not. No. <laughs> I know exactly what you're saying. Mm-hmm. But, you know, so... I believe in learning about the person we need to communicate with or train and finding analogies that fit them. So as we were saying, we were doing the car analogy, but if I'm teaching that to a dentist, I'd use an occlusal filling analogy because they actually really get it. And a car, everyone drives, so, Mm -hmm. you know, get that one too. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Probably running a little bit out of time. Oh, sorry. No, 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 that's fantastic. It's been great. It's just gone in the blink of an eye. Sure has. As a finish-up, well, we alluded to Daniel Goleman, Emotional Intelligence, which is a fantastic book. Yes. Uh, Are there any other resources like books 
podcast and the mental block for anybody I think is a great resource for dentists in Australia and New Zealand Mm -hmm. any other that you would recommend as a good introductory material to any areas in this that we've talked about whether it be communication management systems personal growth all I say is just read everything, yeah. be a sponge, yeah. suck in, soak in all of that information. But a big one for me was actually Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly okay. Effective People. Yeah. And um, that really helped me change my mindset around thinking about myself and, and how I'm involved in situations and, and in the communication with all people, okay? okay. Um, that was a big one for me. So yeah. I often go to that one. I yeah. say, read it. Now, it's a hard slog. It's not something that I read all in one go and then when it was a fantastic book, I actually would read a chapter, I'd let it mull over in my in my brain and mm-hmm. I'd utilise some of the skills and then I'd go back and probably read it again. But it was an amazing book for me. Yeah. For me. Now, another book that I absolutely love is Influence by Robert Cialdini. Yeah. I've and heard a lot of people reference that book. Sensational yeah. book. Yeah. That okay. was another one that really taught me how to present myself in a different way. Okay. That's going to be on my, my next yeah. read list. But I think. Disc System yeah. changed my life. Okay. So go on Google Disc. Yeah. Okay. No, I've had a little look at Disc. Yeah. Yeah. There's okay. plenty of online tests yeah. Yeah. about Disc that are free mm. and you test yourself. You mm. find out where. Where you sit now it's behavioral type yeah no type is better than any of the others it's just a you know characteristics that's yeah. all it is yeah. and then once you learn about yourself you are going to be able to learn to communicate better with other people okay. so it's actually i feel a journey of self to improve yeah. communication i agree too yeah mm. yeah it's personal development and growth first totally and then you go outwards from that absolutely yes absolutely okay yeah. well a great place to finish the conversation today so thank you very much for you're being very on welcome the podcast. yeah Thanks. thank you we covered a lot of topics in that episode and i was very grateful to have been able to sit down with tony As you can imagine, she has a lot going on and was very generous to give up an hour of her time. You can find further information about Momentum Management from their website. And The Mental Block is on Facebook. Just request to join as it is a closed group. If you enjoyed this conversation, please subscribe in your streaming service of choice and pass on a good word of mouth referral to your podcast-loving friends. Leaving a rating and review helps spread the word too, so I'd be grateful if you could take a minute or so to do that as well. Thanks for listening, and I look forward to you joining me for the next episode of the Communicating Health Podcast.